guys, we're back this week, still in our series called The Way, Imitating the Habits of Jesus. And we started this series off by saying that you right now, the habits that are in your life are perfectly designed to get the results that you are seeing. And the question we ask is, are you happy? Like, are those habits actually giving you the results that you're looking for? Are you fulfilled in your relationship with Jesus and just in life? And this week, I want to talk about relationships. And relationships are built on this thing we call communication. Crazy, right? If you want to build a relationship with somebody, you have to practice communication. There's good communication, there's bad communication, but nothing happens. Every relationship becomes stagnant, does not move in one direction or the other without it. I want you to think about any relationship that you have in your life right now, whether it's a sibling, a friend, a teacher, a coach, a parent. Uh, maybe you're watching this as a parent and you're thinking my spouse, you're thinking uh, my in-laws, whatever it may be, no matter what relationship you have, communication is actually essential to keep it moving. And relationships are hard work, primarily I think because communication is such hard work. And relationships are hard because we live in a fallen, sinful world, which means when two people, no matter what kind of relationship they have, come together, it's going to be involve two flawed people, which makes everything difficult. But there is one relationship that you can pursue where 50% of the flaw is taken out. And that's the relationship that you have with Jesus. Because only one of you brings flaw to the table, and Jesus has already paid for your flaws. So let's dive in as we talk about communication as it relates to relating to Jesus. We're obviously talking about what? Prayer, right? Now, the biggest thing that I think comes up for me when I'm talking to students about prayer, if they have any kind of cursory understanding of the Bible, is they go, well, doesn't Jesus say like that God already knows what I need? Uh, aren't we told in scripture that God already knows the hearts of men? That we look at the outside appearance, but God perceives the heart. So if God already knows what I need, he can perceive my heart and my mind. Why do I need to pray? Why do I need to talk to him? I want you to do something that seems a little crazy. Maybe even a little, I'll say it, Maybe a little heretical. Uh, I'm going to have you put yourself in God's position for a moment in relationship with people. Now, uh, let's not give you all of who God is, but just simply this one thing. That you, in all of your relationships, can read people's hearts and know their thoughts. You know what they want, what they need, what they struggle with. So, so much so that those people who you're in relationship with simply stop trying to talk to you trying to communicate to you because, I mean, you already know, right? Does your knowledge of that person and of their innermost being, does it negate your desire to be connected to those you love? I would actually say it, it doesn't. So maybe we need to right-size prayer. Maybe we need to reframe prayer. Maybe prayer isn't about what you get. Maybe prayer is about deepening your relationship and an acknowledgement that you are dependent on God. Prayer is about relational maintenance, not using God as a cosmic vending machine. And I said relationships earlier are hard work. Here's the hard truth. Only you can decide if any relationship is worth the effort. So is it? As we dive into this idea of prayer, 
is the relationship that you want with God through Jesus, is it worth the effort? Is it worth the hard work to keep it growing? Our big idea this week is that talking to God is vital to an everyday follower's growth. Now, as we dive into this, Jesus withdrew for times of prayer. That's our first thing. We're seeing that Jesus modeled this. As we're looking at this series, The Way, Imitating the Habits of Jesus, we have to understand that Jesus actually had these habits. We need to see where it happens. Time away with God and prayer is like recharging a battery. And Jesus did this actually often. Matthew 14, verse 23 says this. It'll be on the screen. After he had sent the crowds away, what did he do? He sent everybody else away. He withdrew. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray, alone. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Key word. Mark 1.35, in the early morning, while it was still dark, pretty lonely time of the day, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place. And was there, was praying there. Luke 5, 16. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness, somewhere that is empty, and pray. When he teaches his disciples to pray, we're going to look at more of this passage later on. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Very public. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. See, Jesus withdrew often to pray. Twenty-nine times in the Gospels, we see Jesus praying to God. We see Jesus withdrawing. I want you to remember that the, the Gospels are like a highlight reel. We don't get every moment of Jesus' earthly ministry. We don't. We don't get every second of everything that happened. In fact, Luke, the gospel writer, is very honest and basically says, look, if I filled all the books in all the world with, with everything that Jesus did, I, there wouldn't be enough volumes to hold it. So Luke is very transparently giving kind of a highlight account of the, the high points of Jesus' ministry. If something is mentioned 29 times in a 10-minute NFL hits highlight reel, that you're watching on YouTube, you would know if that one player was mentioned 29 times, that person made a pretty big dent, pretty big impact on the league that year. But you would go, oh, it's 29 times. There were hundreds, hundreds of plays that were shown. If one person had 29 shots, you'd think that was pretty incredible. It's a big deal that it's mentioned 29 times. Now, Jesus was withdrawing to a place that we call, or that is called in the Greek, the Eremos. Okay, it's a, it's a Greek word that means he withdrew to a desolate place, a deserted place, a solitary place. He went there to recharge, to connect with the Father. Now, a battery doesn't charge while it's being used in the controller or in a flashlight. Now, somebody out there is going to be a smart aleck and be like, well, what about like a Prius's battery? All right, I understand, but a Prius battery still has a shelf life. Go with me on this. A battery being used in a remote control or in a flashlight does not recharge as it's doing its job, as it's doing the good work it was intended to do. Batteries don't get refreshed while doing their job. They get recharged on a charger. Jesus had direct and immediate access to the Father. 
John 10.30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one, yet he models a life of prayer, submission, and recharge for us. Jesus gives us actually a guide to prayer too. This is key. Because if somebody's going to tell you, hey, I need you to do this, this is an a habit I want you to imitate of mine, but then they don't actually show you how to do it. It doesn't seem like you're going to get very far. But Jesus gives us a guide. Both the Gospels of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke record what we know as the Lord's Prayer. The disciples in both cases want to know how to pray. And Luke's Gospel, it actually says the disciples say, you know how Jesus, you know John the Baptizer or John the Baptist's disciples have said, uh, teach us how to pray, and then John did it. Could you do that for us? Could you teach us how to pray? And in Matthew's gospel, it's actually a part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus is teaching all of these people who are following him. And that's the passage we're going to look at today. The disciples wish to know how to pray. Jesus gives them a template, and it's not fancy or super eloquent. It's actually fairly simple, and we're going to break it down. But we're going to read it first, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Some versions of the Bible say, pray like this, or pray in this way. There's nothing wrong with repeating this prayer, and a lot of church traditions do that, but Jesus is giving us a template as well. There's nothing wrong with repeating this, but only repeating this is not what Jesus is getting at. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's break it down. Step one, worship is step one. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means, is this idea of saying that he is other, recognizing that he exists, that heaven is his dwelling, is, means that he is other and set apart. He's holy. It's worshiping him for his attributes, for who he is. It's praising God. Step two is submission. His will is superior to mine. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What God wants is more important than what I want. It's submission. Step three is this idea of petition or bringing our requests or needs to God. Give us today our daily bread. What are your needs? According to Jesus in, in Luke chapter 12, it's clothes and food. But we live in the Pacific Northwest, so I will grant you a third, shelter. Okay? If, if you have all those things and more, you are actually in the blessed category. You've got bonus features. You have leveled up. So what are your needs? Praying for those needs. Petition. Step four, confession. This is asking for forgiveness. And forgive us our debts. Many of the, the versions you would read would say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's acknowledging I need forgiveness and then declaring what do I need forgiveness for. Step five is deliverance, asking God for help in an area of temptation or sin struggles. What keeps popping up in your life over and over and over and over again? What is it? To tell God that you need help with it in that area. Now, Jesus didn't just pray. He also withdrew to pray. So the last thing here is choose your eremos, okay? Your most focused, your best 
time is your aremos. It's where you can be alone and focused on the activity of prayer. Eremos is a blessing, not a curse. If we go back two weeks ago to what Wyatt was talking about, this idea of silence and solitude, we view it as a curse sometimes in our society because we're so used to noise and we don't know how to handle the quiet. But it allows us to be focused on what we're doing. Allow God to speak first, all right? Uh, this is last week Bible meditation with Mitchell. Allow God to speak first. If God is superior to me, then he speaks first. Prayer. Guys, find a time and space that is unhindered. Maybe it's not 11 a.m. or 11 p.m. when you lay down at night. I used to do that when I was in high school. I'd start praying at night because I knew it was a time that would be quiet, and then I would fall asleep, and I'd wake up like, amen, right? Well, think about that. If you were talking to somebody, and they were talking to you, and then while they were talking to you, they fell asleep, I, I don't know. I feel like I would be a little put out, okay? Probably not in front of a screen. You need to Put away distractions. I'll tell you what works for me is when I first get up in the morning. Uh, speaking to God throughout my day, too, in short bursts. It's this idea that Paul uh, presents in one of his letters, this idea of prayer without ceasing. So I might be going into a difficult meeting and I'll say, God, just please be with me. Allow my words to be seasoned with salt. Allow my, uh, allow my words that come out of my mouth to be things that Jesus, you would say. Also, leave time for an answer. Often we pray and then we rush off to the next thing on the list because we're busy people. And that's how we do everything. But this has to be different. Sit in the stillness and listen. In scripture, God often shows up when we shut up. Guys, our, our big idea again is talking to God is vital in an everyday follower's growth. Our, our questions that I want you to think about as you're doing this as a family at home or with someone else is this. Compile a list. Uh, what are the things that I can praise God for? Make a list of his attributes and the things that he's done that you can praise him for as we follow step one. Step two, what areas of life can I specifically ask for his will instead of my own? Maybe you've been saving money for something and you need to ask God, is it your will that I buy that thing or do you have other purposes? Would your will be done instead of mine? What needs do I have? And think needs, not wants. This is why it would be good for you to do this with another person. Because sometimes, especially in America, we have ideas about what our needs, and they're really just crazy wants. And so it might be good to share your list with somebody else and have them uh, look at that and go, is that a need or a want? Let's, let's, let's get through this here. There's nothing wrong with giving our wants to God, but we're told to present our needs. What do I need to seek forgiveness for? And only you can really answer that. What sin struggle keeps creeping back into my life? Look, maybe it's vanity. Maybe you have uh, a problem with anger. Maybe you have some type of sexual temptation, something going on in your life. Whatever it may be, what sin struggle keeps creeping back into your life and you've been trying to handle it on your own that you need to say, God, I need deliverance and I can't do this without you. Deliver me from evil. And ask this, where is your aremos? What does it look like? You need a time, you need a place, and you need to be honest about the distractions you need to avoid. Let's pray, just like we've been talking about. God, thank you so much for who you are, that you are a God who loves us, likes us, wants us, so much that you would send your son. God, we praise you and thank you for who you are and what you have done in our lives. God, we ask that uh, you would help us to acquire the things that we need. Right now, it's so hard in our world sometimes to, to get the needs. There's people who are losing jobs and losing income, and they're scared. And God, we want to trust you 
for the needs that you have placed uh, in front of us. God, I also pray that you would, uh, your will would be done in each of our lives, in mine, that before I make any decision, I would ask, is this what you really want or is it what I really want? Lord, I ask that for the ways that I have, I've messed up even this week, maybe the, the way that I've, I've spoken to my kids in anger or I have uh, I cut somebody off on the freeway or just the things that I've done that are displeasing to you that don't give you a, a good view uh, when people look at my life. God, I pray that you would forgive me for those things. And God, I pray for each of us that is watching this video that would help us with the struggles that keep creeping back into our life that you would give us deliverance and we would trust you for it. Thank you for giving us the gift of prayer that we're able to approach you boldly through your son. It's in your name we pray. Amen.